want to give you a quick Project 9K update. Project 9K is our Bible reading challenge here at Netherwood Park. And to date, collectively, we have read 4,497 books of the Bible. So we're in the sprint to the finish. We're in 1 Thessalonians, those of you who are reading through that part of the New Testament right now. And I want to encourage you to stick with it. Um, it's, it's something that, that we value highly here at Netherwood Park. We believe it's very important that every Christian have, as part of their regular routine, immersion in God's Word. So keep reading, keep studying, keep meditating on God's Word, and keep reporting those results so that we can continue to see us grow towards whatever our number is going to be, somewhere probably a little over 6,000 books of the Bible read in 2017. Well, you're here today on a special day. It's our Pack the Pulpit Sunday, and I'm glad that you were able to be here. I hope that you can feel the excitement and the energy that is in this place because of what's been done here today. We're in the middle of a sermon series from the book of Romans. This would be a good time to grab your Bible or grab your phone or grab your tablet and turn to Romans. We'll be in Romans chapter 3, Romans 3. We call Romans a book, but Romans is actually a letter. It's a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians who lived in the city of Rome. And this letter has been called the Gospel According to Paul. And it's called that because it's Paul's most complete and his most systematic and his most passionate presentation of the good news of Jesus Christ. In this letter, in Romans, Paul forcefully proclaims that the gospel brings light, and it brings hope, and it brings peace, and it brings salvation, and it brings forgiveness. And why is that important? Well, because Paul also recognizes that the people he's writing to live in a dark and desperate and turbulent and guilty and lost world. So in this letter, Paul goes to great lengths to make sure that everyone understands that no one is exempt. That everyone understands that everyone needs the gospel. Because no one is righteous. No one is good enough on their own. Everyone needs the gospel and the gospel is for everyone. Which is why Paul, early in this letter boldly and proudly and loudly affirms his feelings about the gospel and his confidence in the power of the gospel. Paul said this, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It's a powerful affirmation. It's absolute confidence in the power of the gospel. And frequently during this series, we've been joining together with Paul and we've been making that same affirmation ourselves. We've been affirming that we too are without shame. That we too believe that the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And this morning, I'm going to ask you to do that once more. To join with me and join with Paul in affirming your belief in the power of the gospel. So won't you boldly and proudly and loudly proclaim and repeat after me. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God. Because it is the power of God. 
for the salvation of everyone who believes. And all the church says, Amen. Amen. You know, it feels good, doesn't it? It feels good to join our voices together and affirm our shared confidence in the power of the gospel. It feels good. It reassures us. It encourages us. It builds us up. It energizes us to do that. And if you're like me, you can always use some of that. You can always use some of that reassurance and that encouragement and that building up. And if you're like me, as we're moving through Romans, you can really use some building up right about now. Because frankly, over the last few weeks, Paul's been kind of beating us down, hasn't he? And I want to give you some fair warning. Paul's not quite through beating us down yet. If you've been here the last few weeks, you know that Paul hasn't left any room for anyone to offer any excuses. He started out with the pagans. And he said that even people who haven't heard of God, they have no excuse for their sinfulness because even the godless know that it's wrong to kill and lie and cheat and steal. And then Paul turned his attention to the Christians And he said, Christians certainly have no excuse for their sinfulness. We're the people who know God, and we know his word, and we know his son, Jesus Christ. So how dare we condemn the sin of the godless while excusing our own sin? Excusing the sin of people who actually know God. And then next, Paul shifted his focus to the Jews, and especially the Jewish Christians. And he said, how dare you be smug and proud and self-righteous? He said, you, you of all people, you have no excuse for your sinfulness because you've been given all kinds of advantages. You've been given all kinds of advantages and you still fail to love God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. And you still fail to love your neighbors, as yourself. And Paul says, and how dare you take pride and satisfaction and security in your circumcision, in something that was done to you when you were eight days old. He says, your circumcision doesn't excuse your sinfulness. And no, Abraham's not going to be at the gates of of hell rescuing you. It's a complete beatdown. A complete beatdown of everyone, pagans and Christians, Jews and Gentiles, circumcised and uncircumcised. Paul leaves no excuses, no room for any smugness, no self-satisfaction, no self-righteousness. All have sinned. All have fallen short. No one is righteous Everyone needs the gospel. Paul has exposed everyone, including us. Paul has stripped away whatever clothing we might have been hiding behind, and he's left us completely exposed. We can't hide behind our ignorance, we can't hide behind our nationality. 
We can't hide behind our ancestors. We can't hide behind our history. We can't hide behind our knowledge. We can't hide behind our position. We can't hide behind what our parents did to us or did for us. Paul has left us exposed. He's left us exposed for who we really are. Sinners in need of the gospel. And Paul has left us exposed for where we really are. We're all standing exposed, desperately in need of the gospel. Paul leaves no doubts. There's no doubt that everyone, without exception, needs the gospel. Yeah, Paul's delivered quite a beatdown. And clearly, this message isn't just for the Christians in Rome. In fact, Paul has been delivering this same message by letter and in person to literally everyone that he can have contact with. And since Paul has delivered this message over and over again, he knows from experience what kinds of questions and what kinds of reactions and what kind of ejections his message is going to to elicit. See, when he says everyone needs the gospel, he knows that that's going to provoke some reactions from different people. And he especially knows the kind of questions and the kind of reactions and the kind of objections his message is going to elicit from religious people, from people like us. So Paul writes, he's anticipating those questions. He's anticipating those reactions. He's anticipating those objections. And he writes this, Romans chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, what advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what advantage is there in circumcision? See, Paul's heard it all before. People have asked Paul, well, if that's true, Paul, if everyone needs the gospel like you say, if everyone is lost without the gospel like you say, then what's the point? What's the point in keeping the law? What's the point in all those sacrifices we've been making? What's the point in circumcising our boys? What's the point in attending church? What's the point at even having God's word if it doesn't bring any advantages over those godless pagans? You know, it's a fair question. Is there any value? Is there any advantage? Is there any point? And Paul answers that question this way. Is there any advantage? Paul says much in every way. And first of all, they've been entrusted with the very words of God. We need to stop there for a moment. See, Paul's saying there's much value. There's great advantage in having been given and been entrusted with the very words of God. And I'm pretty sure we don't always appreciate what Paul means. I'm pretty sure that we don't really understand how blessed we are to have in our hands the very words of God. I'm not even sure that we're able to comprehend how remarkable it is that the God of the universe chose revelation over mystery. That God chose revelation over concealment. That God chose revelation over secrecy. That God chose revelation over suppression. That God chose to open up 
instead of cover up. And we certainly didn't do anything to deserve that or earn that. Our God chose that. Our God chose to lift the veil and reveal who he is and also reveal who we are. He chose revelation and he chose it for us. It's of great value to us. What advantage is there in being entrusted with the very words of God much in every way? You see, God's word reveals his nature. We have a God who wants to be known by his children. Thank God for that. And his word also reveals our nature and it reveals our purpose. In his word, our creator tells us who he created us to be. Our creator reveals to us what we were created to be. And his word reveals that he created us to be lovers. His word tells us that that's our highest purpose. The reason that we exist is to love God like he loves us. And that we were created to love our neighbors like we love ourselves. What value is there in having God's word much in every way? And his word also reveals something else that's of great value to us. It reveals to us that we aren't who we were created to be. God's word reveals that all of us are sinners And all of us need the gospel, and there is great value in that. You see, God's word not only reveals, God's word exposes. And without God's word, we're easily deluded into thinking that we're beautifully clothed when actually we're not. Without God's word, we can hang on to things like false security and fake righteousness and empty religion. But when we open our hearts and our minds and our souls to God's word, the word exposes who we are. It exposes where our hearts are. And ultimately, it reveals our need for the gospel. It's only when we're exposed that we recognize our desperate need for the gospel. But we don't like to be exposed, do we? We don't like being exposed at all, and neither did the religious people that Paul spent his life preaching to. So he knows that at least some of the people in the church in Rome wouldn't yet be ready to open up. and wouldn't yet be ready to give up. Probably much like some of us here in church at Netherwood Park today. So Paul, in verses 3 through 8, he anticipates and addresses some more desperate and in many ways ridiculous objections to his message that everyone needs the gospel. And the first objection to Paul's message sounds something like this in Walter's abridged version. He says, what if some did not have faith? What if people actually didn't have faith? Doesn't that nullify God's faithfulness? And Paul says, no. 
Not at all. That doesn't nullify his faithfulness. God is true and let every man be a liar. What's the objection? Well, the objection is this. Well, Paul, if we have failed like you say we have failed, then God's word must not have the power you claim it does. God must not be faithful like he claims he is. And Paul's response is simple. He says, don't you be deluded. So your failings aren't God's failings. Just because you aren't living up to who you were created to be doesn't mean your creator isn't who he claims to be. Don't be deluded. And then the objections get progressively more ridiculous. The next objection is, well, Paul, then God must just be taking advantage of us. Looks to me like God must have set us up to fail. He must have done that to make himself look good. He's using our unrighteousness to show just how righteous he is. Paul's response basically is, that doesn't make any sense. And the next objection is, well, then, Paul, you aren't making any sense. You know what you're doing? All you're doing is you're giving us an incentive to sin. So we'll just keep on sinning. And that will make God look even better, even more righteous. We'll keep on sinning so God's grace will be on full display for the world to see. Paul's response is this. Now, that's just ridiculous. And anyone who believes that, anyone who takes that seriously, let alone practices that, then they deserve the judgment that surely they're going to receive. It's a list of ridiculous objections. But Paul knows something else. He knows that most of his audience isn't resisting his message by raising such ridiculous objections. But he also knows that most of us won't be ready to admit that we're on the same level as the pagans. Still won't be ready to admit that we need the gospel every bit as much as they need the gospel, every bit as much as them. Admit that we need the gospel every bit as much as the godless and irreligious people that are out there. So get prepared. Paul's going to do some more exposing. Paul's going to make sure that he levels the playing field. He's going to describe the total depravity of all mankind. And Paul's going to do it by stringing together a bunch of scriptures. The very scriptures that the Jewish Christians took such pride in knowing. Such pride in possessing. He's going to use the scripture that they thought made them special. And he's going to use it to convict them of their desperate need for the gospel. So listen to Paul as he exposes religious people. He says, what shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. And then he starts stringing together the scriptures. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. 
The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the ways of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Wow. Paul hits hard, doesn't he? It's like one body blow after another. It's like no one righteous. No one understands. No one seeks. Worthless, open graves, deceit, poison, cursing, bitterness, ruin, misery. Wow. And Paul's not talking about they and them. He's talking about you and me. Well, what's Paul doing here? And why is he doing it? Well, what Paul is doing is he's stripping away all of the smugness and the self-righteousness and the self-justifications of religious people like me. He's exposing us for who we really are. He's exposing where we really are. He's exposing that we're all sinners in need of grace, that we're all sinners standing hopelessly exposed before our God, and we're all in need of the gospel. Paul's opening our eyes. He's opening our eyes to our own nakedness to make sure that we understand and appreciate our need for the Savior's new clothes. Making sure we understand that everyone needs the gospel. What Paul's doing is he's preparing us for a message that we desperately need to hear. He's preparing all the smug, self-righteous, self-justified religious people like me to hear the message, really hear the message that we desperately need to hear. And the message we desperately need to hear begins with all of those body blows. No one is righteous. No one understands. No one seeks. Worthless, open graves, deceit, poison, cursing, bitterness, ruin, misery. See, God's word testifies the truth. And the truth is all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of our God. The truth is we're all exposed before God in our unrighteousness. And we may not like that message... But that's a message we need to hear. Not to leave us beaten and bloodied and embarrassingly exposed. No, we need to hear the message to prepare us to appreciate our need for the gospel. We need to hear that message to prepare us to treasure and value and embrace the gospel. Because everyone needs the good news of Jesus Christ. So Paul beats us down. But he beats us down so he can lift us up. Paul leaves us exposed so we can appreciate the clothes that our Savior offers us. Yes, all have sinned. 
Yes, all have fallen short. Yes, all are exposed. There's two important words that come next in Paul's letter. He says, but now. And I'm telling you, those are sweet words to the ears of beaten and bloodied and exposed people. And Paul says, but now. Verse 21. But now. A righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known. To which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Those are sweet words, aren't they? That's good news, isn't it? That's the gospel message that everyone needs to hear. That's the gospel that everyone needs. Yes, God's word testifies that all have sinned and all have fallen short. But God's word also testifies that he's done for us what we can't do on our own. He justifies us. He makes us righteous. Our righteousness comes from God. It doesn't come from keeping the law. Paul says righteousness is apart from the law. Righteousness comes from God and it's through faith in Jesus Christ. And it comes to all who believe and respond in faith to the gospel. So thank God Paul doesn't leave us beaten down. He doesn't leave us exposed. Instead, Paul invites us to stand in faith. He invites us to stand not under our own power, but under the power of God, under the power of the gospel. And Paul invites us to accept new clothes, to get rid of those transparent clothes of smugness and self-righteousness. He invites us instead to be clothed with Jesus Christ. Our God is faithful. And our faithful God freely justifies his faithful children by his grace. And our God, with his gospel, clothes us beautifully with Christ. Everyone needs the gospel. No wonder Paul isn't ashamed. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in humility. Father, we come to you and confess our need for the gospel. And Father, some of us come here thinking that we are clothed. Clothed with our righteousness, clothed with our knowledge, clothed clothed with our abilities, our position. My Prayer, Father, is that you will expose us and expose our desperate need for the gospel. And Father, some of us come here beaten and bloodied, beaten and bloodied from trying to make it on our own, trying to stand righteously on our own. Father, my prayer is lift our eyes to you and lift our eyes to the gospel. 
Lift us up to rely on your power, not our power. And Father, I pray that as we see you working in us, that all praise will be given to you. And Father, my prayer is when others see you working in us, that all praise will be given to you. Father, may all praise be given to you. And it's in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Everyone needs the gospel. Praise God for giving us the gospel. Praise God for justifying us. Praise God for clothing us. Praise God. Let's stand and let's praise God in song. Stay.